Here's a great way to stunt your growth as a leader. Starve your curiosity and feed your assumptions. That's my opinion anyway. Now, according to an article in Forbes, to be successful as a leader, we need to determine a common goal and what our common interests are in achieving that goal and then work together to make that happen. Pretty straightforward. But it goes on to say, professionally, we must be aware that our bubbles will sabotage our leadership as we isolate ourselves from diversity of thought. This protective cocoon and all the assumptions we make to strengthen it do more harm than good. Our personal bubble prevents us from being successful leaders. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is about influencing culture, undoing stereotypes, and the building of an international movement. Neandre Broussard is my guest today. He is the founder and CEO of Black Menswear, whose mission is to change the narrative of black men. He's also better dressed than you, <laughs> and he's definitely better dressed than me. It'll make more sense when you hear the conversation, or you know what, just scroll down and click the links in the show notes to see what I'm talking about. Neandre and I are very different and yet so similar at the very same time. This conversation will help carve out a category of thought for those of us who need our personal bubbles popped. And for others of us, it will be affirmation of experiences that you've had from negative stereotypes. This is one of my favorite interviews so far. So let's get into it with Neandre describing the concept and goals of black menswear. I started Black Menswear uh, in 2017. It was really my way to provide my own personal outlet to letting out some of the frustrations I had based on how the media perceived me. For so often, there's been a, a negative stereotype around the Black male, and um, you know, it was it was just really pushed down my throat and, and the throats of, of, of Black men um, for the longest time, and so. You know, that time between 2015, 2016, 2017, there was a really, really um, large outcry as it related to police brutality, uh, as it affected mm -hmm. the black community. And the thing that just really rubbed me the wrong way was the fact that uh, during these instances where an individual has lost their life that, again, oftentimes looked like me, um, there was there was never any type of um, remorse or any of those type of feelings that were portrayed throughout the media, it was always villainizing, right? You villainize the individual because if you villainize that person, then what the police officer did was warranted, right? You make it to where their actions were justified based on you proving somebody guilty in public perception. And that just hit me so often the wrong way to where I sat there and said, man, what, what is it that I can do that because all of this negativity that's being put into the media based on the black male, what can I do to inject positivity, right? That's all my initial goal was to do, was to just put positive black male imagery into the stratosphere. Um, because at that point, if I were to go and Google black man, the majority of the images that popped up were mug shots, thug shots, um, these type of negative narratives around the black man. Mm -hmm. And so my whole goal was just to say, I'm going to put out so much stuff that when you do that same Google search, the content that I'm putting out is going to pop up. It has to because I'm trying to put out a positive image of the black male. And so that's really how I got started, uh, just as a way to be able to, again, be an outlet for me 
to to be able to say uh, or 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 create the the narrative that really defines who I am, right? It really defines the guys that are in my circle, my friends, my family members uh, that aren't playing into this negative stereotype that the media is often portraying. There's a ton there. And before I jump into um, and give into my curiosity, uh, one practical thing for, for black menswear, do you all sell clothes? Do you guys do fittings? Do you, you know, some of the practical side of um, outside of the narrative, which we want to jump into next, you know, do you, do you all do that as well? You know, we really love to, to, to echo the sentiment that we are a media house first, um, mm-hmm. pushing out this narrative and changing this narrative and a suit maker second. At the end of 2020, we have launched our own suit line custom suit company based on you know, doing the groundwork for the last three years from a community building perspective to where now that we have this audience, they're often, they're always asking us, hey man, where do you guys get your suits from? Where do you guys get your suits from? And it just be, kind of became one of those things where it's like, if we're not, if we don't at least, at least dabble in it and try, which we're being very successful in actually you know, the suit line of it, if we didn't try mm-hmm. it, then we'd be doing ourselves a disservice. That makes sense. So I'm glad that we covered it because um, there's a, there, like I keep saying, there's a lot here. So that helps clarify a couple of things. And you touched on this. Uh, if you could, if you could pause here just for a minute and unpack a little bit more, because you, you already have and had and still have a successful career going in in life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, speak to that a little bit more about what caused you to launch Black Men's World, what caused you to keep it going. And really, you know, the why behind all of the work that goes into this, because you've got two, essentially two businesses going at the same time. Uh, what is it that keeps you going and, and, and uh, why is all the work you know, worth it? I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is that both of my roles, uh, again, me being the founder of Black Men's Wear and then also me being a, a regional wholesaler for a national life group. Both of my roles play into my passion, which is people, helping people to realize the best in themselves, helping people to position themselves the best way possible, helping people to be optimistic uh, about themselves, finding the perfect version of themselves and understanding that they are perfectly imperfect. Uh, with me being a, a, a regional uh, for National Life Group, I had the opportunity to go over to become a wholesaler to help agents be better, be better skilled at not necessarily selling death insurance but really selling life insurance and putting the life back in life insurance and focusing on the living benefits that help you if you get sick along the way. Um, Having a resource that can help you insure your children and help pay for college and things based on the cash value and the life insurance policy. You know, just these different types of things that I'm able to do that helps people to, again, not think about the old adage of dying to use my insurance, but how can I use it while I'm alive, right? And that peace of mind that goes to clients uh, is really the satisfying part of all of that, really saying that I'm helping agents to spread the gospel, for lack of better terms, as it relates to mm-hmm. you know providing peace of mind, bringing peace to individuals as it relates to their futures by planning to have, you know, having that life insurance, their retirement annuities, those different kinds of things that we do through that. And then the, you know, the Black mentor aspect along that same vein is bringing out the best in people and showing you know, really showing young black boys, right? I have two, I have two sons, a five-year-old and a six-year-old and right. And, and, and showing them what the opportunity is for them that is greater than a lot of the negative stereotypes that, that they often see. Right. And so there's, you know, there's a thing, if, if you, if you see so much negativity, 
it's likely that you're going to become a negative person, right? People do vision boards every year Mm -hmm. and their vision board kind of shows their goals and what they hoped that what they aspire to be. And if, if your vision board is, is a negative media depiction, then the likelihood that you become negative is very high. And so being able to have this, to launch this organization that focuses on bringing the positivity out of the black male and the positivity out of the black community uh, was really a crux of why I'm able to and, and, and why I have the ability to you know, work the longer hours, uh, put more things in motion, um, because it, when it all relies around my passion and what I feel as I'm really called here to help people and to bring the best out of people, uh, it, it, it makes it all worth it. I love it. That that makes sense. And uh, you're weaving in all different kinds of things with passion, with um, loving people and wanting to be an example, even, uh, you know, practically at home for your boys. Um, so the the term narrative, you know, I, I've been following you on, on social media through LinkedIn and uh, and doing research, you know, for this interview, that term narrative kept popping up and it, and it, it makes me think of a story. So then I followed, you know, that rabbit down the trail of <laughs> what does it mean and looked up the definition. And I found that it also speaks to the art technique or process of narrating. So how a story is told, which leads to my next question. The first words that I saw on the Black Men's Wear website are, and then in quotes, we're changing the narrative of black men. So unpack that for us. What story what narrative are you aiming to change? And you touched on it, but I want to pause here and really let you lean into that. What, what is it? What is that that you're looking to change? 18th and 19th century. Forgive me if I'm if I'm if the date is off for me. Um, sure. Frederick Douglass set out to be the most photographed individual period around that time. Right. Um, anyone asked Frederick Douglass to take a picture. He sat down and took it. Reason being is that he wanted to provide a different light. To what the black male was versus the at that time a black man in chains or a black man in servitude or a black man in slavery, right? And so you know his goal was to if I take as many pictures and these pictures are going to be sent out to as many places as possible, they're going to see me and they're going to have to think differently about you know people that look like me. And so looking at the narrative uh, that surrounds the black male, it's really our focus is really breaking down the stereotypes, right? And and the, the biggest part of that is breaking down the stereotypes for the generation that it impacts, not necessarily breaking down the stereotypes for the oppressor that has given that stereotype to that organization, to that group, that makes sense. So really looking at it from an aspect of if, if, if I can change the narrative of how Black men are perceived, even within their own culture, even within the young boys that are seeing the negativity and saying, well, I guess I'm, I am supposed to be, a, you know, uh, this individual that, that does these activities that ends up in this particular place for the rest of my life. I'm supposed to do that because that's what the, that's what I'm shown. That's what the narrative that surrounds me currently is written. That's what that displays. And so if I can change that narrative to where, you know what, the optimism that comes with that, your, 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 your opportunities are limitless. If you, if you see it, you can be it, right. That type of perspective uh, around really putting more uh, focus on the opportunity that comes with being a man and itself, right? Because a lot of the narrative around the black man is it's it's it seems to be not even human. It seems to be a level lower than your everyday citizen. And so, if I can debunk that 
and offer something that shows a different light to that and that becomes the norm, that's the focus that we're looking at in regards to changing that narrative. Man, thank you for pulling that 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 historical uh, piece out for me because I did not know that. Uh, so then let's, you know, when dig in a little bit more on that on that term narrative. So based on the definition of narrative and what you just laid out, what is the technique or process that you are utilizing to change the historical narrative of black men? The, the, the concept that we focus on is called enclosed cognition. The easy way to understand it goes back to a Deion Sanders quote that said, if you look good, you feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. They pay good. Right. So that's 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 the and it worked for the other. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so that's the basis of it. Right. But enclosed cognition is really this theory around how you how you get up and the, the clothing that you wear, or the attire that you present actually impacts your performance. It right. It actually impacts how you go about your day, um, even in, in the study that they did in regards to taking tests. Those that individuals, they would take a test in kind of from two different uh, apparel aspects, right? So I wear my workout clothes versus I wear a, a business attire. And same material, individuals would score higher based on their appearance, right? And so with this focus on kind of bringing out the best in our performance as a Black man community, basically focusing on the aspect that Hey, if if we are presenting ourselves in a better light, you wake up, you put that shirt on, you put that tie on, you put that blazer on, like you look and you see yourself and you see yourself as somebody that's going to overtake the world. Right. And even even within that, that gives hope that it gives optimism to somebody who might have never seen somebody look like them wear a suit except to go to church, uh, to a funeral or for a court day. Right. That negative aspect that lies in the community is like, how can we change and adjust that by focusing on enclosed cognition? Our means for that is through social media, is through this opportunity that we have to be visible around the world without ever leaving our backyards if we if we didn't want to. Right. Being able to utilize that network um, through social media that allows you, you know, we have we have followers that we communicate with in France in Germany, in South Africa, in Ghana, in Nigeria, in Brazil, you know, like people that are actively tuned into the message that we're portraying because it affects them as well, even though the places that they are. And before I, you know, I can't really necessarily be in all these different places at one time, but the thing that allows us to do that is social media. And so focusing on utilizing that platform, you know, we study the algorithms, we studied uh, the the platforms that know the best the best ways to utilize it to amplify this message, and we you know we've we've gone in full steam ahead. So d- uh, talk a little bit about the flash mobs and the the role of imagery in that. The flash mob serves two purposes. Um, one primarily is to create this again culture changing content, right? You know we as as narrative changers we are content creators through our platform, right? And so we are we are developing and and putting on a production to be able to create this type of content that is speaking to your cognitive as well as you know every aspect about you, right? So, so having this flash mob where we'll go into different cities and now, I mean, now we're averaging 100, 150 guys coming together in suits to capture this content. And that's from DC to LA, to Chicago, to Dallas, to Houston, to Atlanta, 
all around the world to where, you know, we've been to London, we're going to Paris, we're going to Toronto this year, uh, allow it, you know, hopefully COVID will let us, you know, enter these countries, uh, but going to be able to have these, these opportunities where, you know, we took a photo on the steps of Lincoln Memorial after the March on Washington or the day after the March on Washington this past August. And, you know, being able to have that content where you have 240 black men coming together to capture that type of content, there are no words that need to describe it. Like you just see the image and it just hits you, right? They say a picture is worth a thousand, even a million words. And that's what we're trying to create that content. And we, we, we incorporate men of all ages, young boys, uh, teenagers, young adults, adults, elderly, all of them come together for this type of capture. And the, the, the generational impact that's in that is heavy as well, right? And so focusing on that, that allows us to really be able to create that content that we can then push out to the world. The second aspect of it, it's a huge networking opportunity. Yeah. Another way that we're looking at seeing well, what can we do as an organization is helping with the economic empowerment, right? Because you can only do so much without economics, right? You can only do so much without having the dollars to back the leverage and things that come with that. And so how do we offer uh, the men that are with our network the opportunity to connect with, with potential consumers, to, to connect with brands and these type of things, these, these brands that are looking to tap into this particular network, how can we be the conduit for that and allow uh, them to have that connectivity? Right. And so really being able to capture the content and then offer the networking opportunities for entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, um, barbers, uh, again, you know, uh, multi-level marketers, the different different ways that people can just come together for the good and for the benefit of, of the community. Uh, and again, we do this across the world. We've done from from a flash mob perspective over the last two and a half years, we've brought together in person 2000 men in 11 different cities. So, you know, being able to have that impact, not just in Dallas, uh, not just in Texas, but being able to travel and go and be able to do that because that impact is so it's so huge. Uh, it really speaks to that flash mob movement. And you you hit it on the head about the impact that your efforts are having so far. Um, anything un unexpected happen along the way, like any positive, unexpected uh, growth stats stories that that you didn't see coming uh, as as this is unfolded, yeah. Oh man, absolutely. So so the the first thing, right? Our our most viral moment was a, a capture that we've had that we have that came in February of 2019 here in Dallas, uh, where a young boy named Harper Anthony, um, he was six at the time. He was the only child that was at the flash mob for that particular flash mob, and we have an image where we have him in the middle. He's raising his fist in solidarity. And you see a hundred black men behind him, focused focused on him as as a, as a call to basically say for the next generation, we've got you, we're supporting you, you know, we won't let anything bad happen to you, right? That image went global, right? And and and, and now, granted, those are moments that you that you live for when you create that type of content. But I can honestly say yeah. right now that image is going to be here for generations. Uh, and, and being able to be a part of that and curating that was, is phenomenal. The second, the second thing that caught me um, was at the March on Washington or when we did our flash mob on the next day. Unfortunately, that I want to say it was Friday, um, Chadwick Bozeman died. Chadwick Bozeman for the black community is a huge community. He's our superhero, right? You know, being Black Panther, um, that, that for, some, for us, that was really, really special. And 
with him unfortunately passing that weekend, we were able to turn our flash mob, a portion of our flash mob, into a tribute in regards to our recap video. And that recap video, again, is one of those things that went across the world as a way to pay homage uh, to our to our superhero. So those are, you know, really a couple of things that as you're doing this this type of work, you you anticipate that you're gonna have moments that people really enjoy your work, but to create something that again is now cemented in history and will be an image that uh, lives beyond my days. That that I feel like that's 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 something that's huge, you know, and, and really is. can't put words into it. Just how you know that impact and 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 being able to create that impact. That's the point of it all, and and being able to curate those type of things that people are 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 feeling the same way that you are and appreciate the art the same way that you do. It's great, man. It it really is. And then too, you know, all the the press that comes with it and being able to do interviews and that kind of stuff. I, you know, that's. That's par for the course, uh, <laughs> uh, but being able to, yeah. to, you know, to go on TV and, and have these, these conversations and really express, you know, your passions and, and be able to, to let people know that you're more than, you know, more than a clothing brand when people, you know, really think about what you do. It's far greater than the clothes that you're putting on. Yeah. And I know that uh, my work spills into home life and I don't have a, a second, um, you know, uh, international business uh, movement that, that I'm, that I'm working on. So I'm wondering, um, you know, what impact has it had on your family life? And, and like, what about the family side? Because you mentioned your two boys earlier on, and then this image goes viral and people in, you know, London and all these other places are, are standing with you phys- figuratively and literally. Um, talk about that for just a minute. Like what, what, what does that the impact on your home life, your family life? Man, I, I, I am blessed. Uh, I have a wonderful wife that, understands the impact that I'm having. And I think it's, you know, because we have two sons that are, that this is meaning to impact them as well. Right. And so being able Mm -hmm. to have that in the forefront of what we're doing, those, you know, those extra hours and long hours, um, they come right. Uh, I do make it a part and I do my absolute best to make sure though, that, you know, me and my wife still spend ample time together. Right. Me and my son still spent ample time together. On top of this, I'm the coach for their basketball team and their baseball team. Right. Or, the you know, the assistant coach. So I make sure because my, my, my dad was great for me, for my brother and I. Um, and so, you know, I look at that to say, hey, no matter what you've got going on, you still have to make sure that at the end of the day, you're a husband and a father first. And so, you know, having that balance and I've been again, I've been able to manage it. Uh, to this point, obviously there there are times where I go in the lab and I might not come up. Like I might not really be able to to break out for you know two or three days consistently, just straight grind mode. Um, but I make mm-hmm. it a point, you know, even even as a traveling to these other cities and doing this, you know, when we go into a city for a flash mob, it's more than a flash mob, right? We record a, a dapper conversations, which is our YouTube series. We get that recording in on Friday and then we do the flash mob on a Saturday. You come in an extra day for production. So I'm gone Thursday to Sunday, Wednesday to Sunday in most cases. Um, but just having that support and, and having the family that understands that all the foundation is being laid now for the future success of, uh, of the empire. Right. And also looking at to say, hey, this is something that I'm building that I can potentially pass on to my sons so they can come into the business and they can see all the different arms that are moving in this. Because like you said, there's. There's a lot to unpack within what we actually do from a business side in Black Men's Rare as well uh, that that I'm building to be able to pass on to them. You know, I've 
you know, I've already, I've already given them stake uh, in, in the, in the corporation, right. And then being able to, to pass yeah. that equity yeah. onto them uh, as they get older. Right. And so just looking at it from that perspective on still being present, um, physically, mentally being present at home. Um, but then also mm-hmm. you know, having that partner and again, my wife is, is, has been my ride or die, um, since this started and has kind of shown me some blind spots and given me, giving me her advice and these kind of things. And, and so, you know, I, I feel blessed to have that kind of support at home as I'm trying to build outside. Yeah. And it's so encouraging to me. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening in um, to hear that because uh, social media can be misleading when people take these perfect pictures <laughs> yeah. of their families. Oh, it's like everybody's always happy. Nobody ever has ketchup on their shirts or, or hot dogs on the floor or anything. Right. You know? So to hear that you're prioritizing family, um, you're getting the, the inner life right. And you're prioritizing that. And that's great to, to that too. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's uh there's no perfect way to slice and dice the hours in the day. Right. And so even with something like this, there are, there are days that, you know, there are weeks that I might do 55, 60 hours easy, right. Bouncing the, between the two, but there are weeks that I cut out completely. Some, some, some of it was kind of forced, right. Where, you know, I started realizing some of my stress levels were, were impacting my health to a little extent. It's like, okay, bro, you gotta, <laughs> you got you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself because if, if yeah. If something happens to you, then none of this stuff is going to go forward, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so really focusing on that. But to be honest, having a wife that that was honest with me and saying, "Hey, can you take a look at your schedule because you know it's been a while since you spent time with us," and she only had to do that to me one time. And after that point, it was always like, "Okay, hey, I need you to let me know, you know, further in advance before it gets to this point because I never want you guys to feel mm-hmm. like that." And being able to take that. And knowing that family comes first at the end of the day, being able to take that and internalize that to where if she does tell me I'm not frustrated because I'm like, I'm trying to build this, whatever. Because at the end of the day, family's going to be there. Businesses come mm-hmm. and go. Other relationships come and go. But at the end of the day, family is who's going to be there to support you when the lights go off. <laughs> when we're sitting in the cold through a blizzard and we have no power, I'm with my family. You know what I mean? So just kind of focusing on that yeah, and understanding yeah. the value of that, uh, I think is really important. That's good. So with, with any worthy endeavor, um, obstacles and difficulties are inevitable. Uh, that's kind of a, a given, but when you're in it, it's, it's different. So what have been some issues that you've had to navigate along the way as you've launched this? Man, I, I will say um, one thing was, and this happens for all entrepreneurs, I believe, is trying to do everything yourself and trying to be, mm-hmm. you know, every aspect of the business. People have titles because they're experts in their particular field, Right. And so for me, early on, it was it was trying to do everything. And I had a, a couple of conversations with some with some colleagues in there, you know, that have already launched successful businesses. And their thing was, man, you got to you got to put the right people in the right places. And not only do you have to put the right mm-hmm. people in the right places, but when you put them in that place, trust your instinct to, to give them that role and let them do what they do <laughs> versus well, I'm going to put you in this in this role. Uh, as VP of partnerships, but I'm a manage all the partnerships. What have I put you in the role for, right? And so that was one thing that, again, this last, I will say the last last 15 months, right? So all of 2020 plus the first few months of this year, um, having teammates in place has exponentially grown our business. And again, not just to the point of we're doing more flash mob pictures, but we launched different content series types because other people have other ideas and as long, you know, being able to bring that into the mission of what we're trying to do, making it work, right? 
Um, so that that's one thing that I'll definitely say. One of the hurdles was trying to do everything myself. There's an African proverb that says, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go long, go together. And really finding the right people uh, to be able to go along the way so we can grow this thing into something exponentially greater than I initially thought about uh, by having the right people in positions. I would say another, you know, an, another hurdle or obstacle to overcome, uh, especially when you look at things like social media, is staying relevant, right? Social media platforms tend to be cyclical, right? You had MySpace, you had Facebook, you have Instagram, you had TikTok, you had Snapchat, you've got a slew of others that have come and gone. Vine, right? Who, how, who remembers Vine? <laughs> and so being able to create something that that goes outside of social media was something that we had a headache uh, with at first. But now we've been able to do that. Having a, a an all-in-one website, weareblackmenswear.com, where you can go and you can see all the aspects of what we do, expanding ourselves into, like you said, the apparel aspect of things, not just being a social media page, but also providing that, that product direct to consumer and business to business. Also looking at working with different organizations and, and expanding the network, to organizations that are looking to tap into maybe not necessarily black menswear, but also a network that we have through influencers, right? Through consumers. Mm -hmm. And how can we provide that information to them and work with them to send out the most suitable message to our audience, right? And so really focusing on how do we remain relevant? Uh, how do we stay ahead of the curve? How do we stay innovative? That's the word I've been trying to get to this whole time. How do we stay innovative um, in what we're doing? And how do you, you know, there's negativity with everything, even with something that we're doing that's so powerful. There are right. negative people out there that are just negative. And so getting through all the noise and staying the course uh, as, as we are trying to build and develop, now that's definitely a, a hurdle that we've had to overcome throughout this time. So I've, I've noticed um, that your social media and web presence has a depth of character and love that seems to be centered uh, around faith, cultural change, and family, which you have just totally hit that on the head throughout throughout this interview. But I do not believe that you got there by accident. So that that is kind of preamble to this next question of, you know, who or what has influenced your trajectory as a leader the most? And I know that's a big question. So if you need to think about that, I'll say it again. But who or what has influenced your trajectory as a leader the most? Man, I, I, this this one for me is it's pretty easy. Uh, my parents, my mom and my dad, um, they were they were yin and yang. Seriously, my dad spent 21 years in the in the Marine Corps. He retired uh, and then went into education and into the ministry. Right, so I've got that on my dad's side. My mom is a is a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> She's owned multiple businesses through our lifetime. And, and so she's the uh, she's she's the more free spirited, take the risk. My dad is more of the calculated, uh, methodical mm -hmm. individual. So having that household together, I really think really you know developed me into who I am. To where I, I understand focusing on task oriented, goal oriented, but at the same time saying and having the mindset to say, hey, this is something that I want to do. I want to launch this organization, and I can do it getting that from my mom, right? And so having the balance of the two of them together, my dad has a has a, a master's. Uh, my mom yet has a, a bachelor's degree, right? And so 
again, the way that the thing that they instill within me with anything God is possible, you know, with God, excuse me, with God, anything is possible, but it, it requires the work, right? Faith without works is dead. And so you can, uh, you can believe and you can have all this, you know, faith, but if you aren't playing your part in that, then nothing's going to come to fruition, right? And so, and so how am I playing my part in this bigger thing? Because I 100% believe in my heart that what I'm doing is, is, is God's mission for, for the world, not necessarily something for me to, to, to get, you know, any kind of personal uh, notoriety or anything for that. And, and being able to walk in that consistently, uh, I think that, you know, having, again, having that, that foundation rooted in Christ comes from my parents. And that is now where I'm at 30 some odd years into my life, where I am fully rooted in that. And I fully understand that. And I know at any time, this everything that I have can be taken away from me if I don't if I don't walk the right path, you know, play my part in all of this. Uh, and really being able to understand that uh, is something that that's that's huge. One one more benefit I'll give to my mother. My mother is the one that gave me my confidence. One, you, you know, as a military brat, you move a lot. So moving a lot, you have to get acclimated to different situations, new schools, all that kind of thing, right? And so once we stopped moving when my dad retired and we settled in Houston, and once we stopped moving, I had a it was like a total shift for me because I'm used to, all right, I'm I'll be at this school for a year and a half, and then we'll get ready to move, right? I'll be at this school for a year and a half, then we'll get ready to move. So with that, you know, there were some confidence issues with sticking in one spot. And my mom was the person that every day spoke words of affirmation into my life. So when it finally clicked, when I finally realized that I don't have to worry about being anybody else, if I focus on being me and doing and doing what I'm supposed to do, then that's where you start to get elated by more things that, that happen in life every day, man, every day, words of affirmation every day. And, and they finally took about 15, 16, they finally took. You know, now I, have, I really I, I live on this concept of I'm the best version of me ever created because I'm the only version of me ever created. And if I don't make it to be the best version of me, nobody else will. And so really focusing on that, um, I give all credit to my mom on, on instilling that in me uh, and really beat me over the head with that um, till, it, till it sunk in. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad you drew that out. I, I didn't know where the obviously I don't know where these questions are going to lead us, but I love the journey along the way. And thank you for filling that in and, and the vulnerability of um, talking about faith and the upbringing, and then also the impact of of a, of a mother and a father who are very different, but love their son fully and in their own ways. And uh, so I can't believe that we're we're here at the end of the conversation. Um, I've had so much fun doing this, but <laughs> um, Neandre, I have I have loved this, and I would love it if you would close us out. So, uh, where would you direct people to engage with you from here? And then uh, it's kind of a two parter. What encouragement do you want to leave? our listeners with? Yes. So def, of course, you got to go to the website. It is weareblackmenswear.com. The reason why we went with We Are Black Menswear is because we want to incorporate the entire community, you know, uh, really focusing on not just me, myself, not just, you know, the, the partners that are on, that are on uh, uh, the board with us, but really looking at the inclusive aspect of the brand, right? So www.weareblackmenswear.com. You'll see information on all the content series we have on YouTube. We have how-to videos that are launching this year. You know, how to tie a tie, how to pick out a blazer, 
uh, how to understand the difference oh, between. Oh man, that's good because I'm gonna. Need some <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know what's the difference between a two button suit and a double breasted suit and a three button suit? Like we're gonna dive into some of those everyday tips. Um, but we also have our largest thing on there is our is our dapper conversation series where we travel and we go to different cities and we have these different conversations with with thought leaders in these cities. And you know, three or four of us will sit down on a on a virtual panel that we play through YouTube live, and we'll just talk about issues that are affecting the black male community and how we can come out of it uh, better together, right? So that's on our YouTube channel. You go to YouTube, you search for Black Men's where we'll pull up there. Of course, we're on Instagram. Man, I think we're gonna eclipse 300,000 followers this week uh, as we come out of our Atlanta flash mob. So if you're on Instagram, look for Black Men's where if you're on TikTok, we've got a TikTok channel as well uh, that is The Black Men's Where. Um, what else? Facebook, Black Men's Where. Uh, everything's pretty synonymous. You go and you search for black men's where we're going to we're going to pull up um, again. You know, as, as Steve mentioned, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, that's Neandre Broussard. And they can get a little bit more inside of my professional background there as well. And then the second part of that question, some words of encouragement. I think I, I kind of hit it there in that last question. As I ended, I always, always, always speak this this mantra of you are the best version of you ever created. And I can't say that I came up with that all by myself. When my mom would drop me off at school, uh, when I was in, in elementary and middle school, she always had these Brian Buffini tapes. I don't know if you know who Brian Buffini is, but he he was a, a I mean, in the, in the 90s, like he was that guy when it came to motivational speaking. And so she always had these Brian Buffini tapes playing in the morning as I'm going to school. And that was, if I don't remember anything, that was one statement that I remember him making. And again, it resonated with me. 25, 25 years after I heard it to where mm -hmm. he said, you are the best version of you ever created. And that's what I live by, knowing that once I stop focusing on I'm trying to to measure up to other people's successes, once I stop focusing on other people and started focusing on myself and really looking at what it is that I'm supposed to do, that's when I became successful in my own mind. And when you're successful in your own mind, that's all that matters when it comes to success, right? Your success and how you measure that is going to be different than how other people measure it. And so once I focused on that aspect of things, and I believe that once people focus on that aspect of things, that's when they start to live a life of fulfillment because now they realize that it's up to them to create or to narrate, right, that story of themselves. And so if you mm -hmm. focus on being the best version of you, don't focus on being anybody else's version of them. Then that's when then that's when you become uh, or you get to to really start living a life, a successful life, a, a life fulfilled uh, and a life full of optimism. Man, that is a great place to end this episode. Uh, Neandrea, I have loved having you on here. Um, we are going to have all those links in the show notes, as we always do. Uh, I encourage everybody that's listening, click those links because you are going to be impressed. I'm not going to oversell it because you're just going to love it. You're going to see what he's talking about. Um, I've seen the videos. I've seen the the, the images he's mentioning. You got to you got to click those links. Uh, but thank you again for making time for this. Neandre, thank you so much, even more so than this time. Thank you for living out what you believe, because there are so many people with uh, positional leadership that want others to do the things that they're not willing to do themselves. Mm -hmm. And you, sir, are living it out, which is inspirational for all of us. So thank you so much for no, that. Thanks for having me, Steve.
Okay, a couple takeaways and action items. Takeaways. Number one, there are thousands of powerful, life-enriching things that are foreign to my personal experience. And if I'm not careful, I'll live in a bubble that will sabotage future growth. The same is true for you. Number two, we all are perfectly imperfect, as Neandre said. All of us. I am deeply flawed as an individual, but I'm doing my best with a limited perspective. Now, with that perfectly imperfect phrase in mind, that would mean that our views of the world are dimly lit. It's hard to see the whole room with only a flashlight. So we need other people to help shed light and bring things into focus for us. Action items. Number one, check out the links in the show notes. Number two, feed your curiosity. And number three, this is way more practical. Connect with someone on LinkedIn who's different than you. Now, I'm not just talking about the pigment of their skin. That's too easy. Be intentional that what you see in your feed isn't from the same five people every single day. Now, if you like what you heard, I have one simple ask. Give us a written review in whatever platform you're using right now. We read all of them. It helps us get better. And it helps us reach more folks like you that need this kind of encouragement. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Now, we have dozens and dozens of other conversations that will aid in your growth as a leader. There's two main ways to get them. You can go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast. Or if you're listening on your phone, you just click that simple subscribe button. You'll have access to all the conversations that I mentioned before. I can't wait to be with you all again. But until then... From all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.